0: Amen. You can be seated. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Edge Church this morning. It's great to see you. Uh, I was reminded this week of the old 90s movie, What About Bob? Did you guys see that one? It was a blockbuster, wasn't it? Bill Murray is the germaphobe. He has tons of hangups. He seeks counsel from Richard Dreyfuss. A.K.A. Doctor Leo Marvin. How about that? <clears throat> and Doctor Leo has just released the new book, Baby Steps, <laughs> and he's helping all of these people that are struggling. Well, Doctor Martin Marvin, excuse me, goes on vacation. Bill Murray, known as Bob, needs therapy, so he tracks his therapist down. And the whole movie kind of outlines how the therapist is trying to get rid of the patient from his vacation. But unexpectedly, the family of the psychiatrist fall in love with Bob. And they keep wanting him to stay. And by the end of the movie, <clears throat> the psychiatrist has become crazy. And the, the one that was needing therapy becomes normal. Amen? <laughs> I thought about that this week because we're talking about people triggers, people triggers, how to deal with difficult people. And everybody has a Bob in their own life. Everybody has somebody or bodies that push their buttons, somebody that pushes you kind of to the max. I had a Bob in my life. His name was Patrick. Everybody say Patrick. A few years ago, Gina and I were beginning a new church in the Dallas area, and we had a church member named Patrick. Patrick was on our launch team for the new church. Patrick was unlike any church member I have ever known before. If we had a 6 p.m. event at our house, Patrick would show up at 3 o'clock. Unannounced. Patrick would open the front door and let himself in. He would take his shoes off, lie on the couch. He would eat from our fridge, drink our sodas, Basically, like, take the place over. Gina said, Ryan, this is not okay. And I'm like, well, babe, he's, he's doing so many great things for the church. She was like, no. And I'm like, all right. So we went into lockdown mode. Every Wednesday at 3 o'clock, when we knew Patrick was coming, we would lock all the doors. We would close all the blinds. We would hide upstairs. Shh. Nobody make a noise. Nobody move. Patrick's here. I'm not kidding. He would knock on the front door. If nobody answered, he would march around to the back door. He would peek in the windows and be utterly disgusted that he was not allowed to come in at 3 o'clock. You could say, I was experiencing some people triggers. He was pushing all my buttons. You know, life is kind of like that. You may work with a Patrick. You may live with a Bob. You may have other relationships with people that kind of set you off. But God has so much to say to us about this topic. I tell you, I just love the Bible because the Bible speaks so plainly and so profoundly to us about how to deal with difficult people. I want you to look with me, if you would, uh, at 2 Timothy chapter 2. And the Apostle Paul is writing to his son in the faith, Timothy, And he's challenging him about how to deal with difficult folks. Now, here's what he says, beginning in verse 23. Again, I say, don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone. But be able to teach and be patient with difficult people. Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts... And they will learn the truth. And then they will come to their senses and escape the devil's trap. For they have been held captive to him to do whatever he wants. 2 Timothy 2, 23-26. Let's look today at what God would say to us about how to deal with difficult people. And the first thing I want us to observe is that Paul writes to Timothy and he says, First of all, when it comes to difficult folks, we ought to avoid them. Avoid them. Now you may be thinking, well, I would love to avoid the difficult people in my life, but I can't quit my job and I can't change families and I can't change all of the normal traffic patterns of my own life. But notice what he says here. He doesn't say that we can always avoid the people, but he says we can avoid the arguments. Look at 23, verse 23. Again, I say don't get involved in foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. So you may not be able to avoid the people, but you can avoid getting sucked into the drama. When when certain topics come up, we can walk away. When people want us to agree with them on things that we think are petty and silly, we can say, No, thank you. We can walk away. He says, Just stay out of that stuff. Avoid avoid the drama. Avoid when people do crazy things. Just stay out of it. You know, we don't have to have an opinion on every single thing issue. You know, there's kind of this idea in our culture where if somebody tweets something that we don't like, we have to respond and say what we think. Or if something's going on in our culture that, you know, maybe we don't agree with or something that's not our preference, I have to make a blog post about it. I have to respond to it. And, And there is a time to stand up for things and to talk about things, but there's also a time to just be silent. There's also wisdom in. Knowing when to talk and when to not. And Paul says to Timothy, don't get sucked into aimless arguments. Look at the words he uses. Foolish, ignorant arguments that only start fights. If there's things that just only stir people up and cause divisiveness and and cause contention, don't don't, don't be a part of that. Don't be a part of that. Live above the fray. Avoid that. Stay away from it. Um, Do everything you can do to to avoid it. Now, Timothy is this young pastor, and the Apostle Paul is his spiritual mentor. And so Paul is writing to Timothy, and he's challenging him on how to be a pastor and how to be a spiritual leader. And uh, it's possible that Timothy had some people in his church that were kind of contentious. We know that Timothy struggled with being timid because Paul was challenging him to not be timid. And so one of the areas that he probably needed to overcome a spirit of timidity was in relationship to people and dealing with difficult folks. Um, and, and so this is something that's so true for us. We don't have to have a hot sports opinion about every single thing. Um, I have some strong political views, but I'm not going to get up here every weekend and you know, tell you all that. And, and you know what? I'm really okay if you didn't vote like me in the last election. Okay with that, because you know what? I'm focused on the main thing. God wants us focused on the main thing, not on the trivial things. And listen, when you get sucked into the trivial things, then you don't have the energy to put your emphasis and your strength on the things that really matter, because we're just sucked into all of the fray. I used to serve as an associate pastor at a church in another city, and it was a large church, and everybody knew the church. And so whenever there was a big issue going on, the uh, newspaper would call the pastor. We need a statement from you about blah, blah, blah. And our pastor would just laugh. He would say, you know what? You need to call pastor so-and-so down the street. And he would redirect them. And then they would call the other church. And that pastor always had, he always had something to say about everything. It didn't matter. And the church was always in the middle of some controversy. Most of the times out of silly little things that really weren't that big of a deal in the grand scheme of things. And I learned something from my pastor that was stay out of the silliness. Stay out of endless arguments. People will try to persuade you. Everybody has a cause. Everybody thinks that their issue is the most important thing. But we can't be about the main thing, Jesus Christ, if we're about everything. So avoid those endless arguments. Don't, don't, don't get sucked into the drama. First uh, Timothy 6.12, Paul says, Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life to which you were called and about which you have made a good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Um, so it's interesting because he's telling Timothy, stay out of it in chapter two, uh, uh, 2 Timothy 2. But in 1 Timothy 6, he's saying, fight the good fight. What is he saying? He's saying, fight for the things that matter and don't stress out about the things that are trivial. Stand up for the big things. Don't worry about the little things. Don't get sucked into it. And sometimes we get sucked into things and we don't even realize it. You know, somebody comes to us and starts talking about something in the office and and all of a sudden we're in the middle of the drama and we we didn't even want to be in the middle of the drama, but we just found ourselves there. Avoid it. We stay away from it. Here's the second thing, though. People triggers. Avoid them. Bless them. When people push our buttons, when you have a Bob, when you have a Patrick in your life look at this right here 2 Timothy 2:24 2, a servant of the lord must not quarrel but must be kind to everyone and be able to teach and to be patient with difficult people we can be nice to people that we don't actually care for that actually shows maturity in our own heart and if people critique you do everything you can to diffuse it with kindness so how do we bless people We bless people by being kind and by being patient. This is what he says. Be be kind, be patient. You diffuse the situation. We we can be kind to the crazies. We can be gracious to people that make us nervous. Uh, we We can be gracious to folks that we don't necessarily want to be around, but we have to be. We can do that. And really it's a great measure of our own spiritual maturity, I think, when we can get along with people that we don't particularly care for. Does it take a mature person to do that? Absolutely, it does, doesn't it? Yeah. It's easy to hang out with the people that you love. It's easy to get along with the people that bless you and encourage you and agree with you and all that. But here's what Paul's saying to Timothy. Your spirituality is measured by, many times by, but how do you get along with the people that Push all those buttons. We avoid them. We're gracious to them. We're kind to them. We bless them. Now, I found in my own life one of the greatest ways to be patient with people who are difficult is to try to understand where they're coming from. Amen? I mean, you know, if you know somebody's just going through a divorce or they just got some bad news from the doctor or... They're headed towards bankruptcy or there's some kind of problem. Is it a lot easier to be gracious and kind to people that are hurting? I think so. And so I, I, I try to think for just a moment like, well, maybe why is this person acting that way? And if I know what's going on, and a lot of times I don't, but if I do, it helps me just be a little bit more empathetic. So maybe the people in your life that are pushing your buttons are doing so because they're really hurting and really struggling. And some kindness and some compassion from you may make a big difference in their own life. May make a really big deal. Um, I love what Pastor Rick Warren says about this. He says we should have thick skin and a tender heart. You know? With thick skin... We ought to just refuse to be offended. I'm not going to easily be offended. I'm not going to go around and um, and and get my feelings hurt all the time. I got thick skin. People can critique me. People can give feedback. People can say certain things, and I'm not going to lose my cool. Thick skin, a tender heart, though. Thick skin and a tender heart, an open heart that is ready to empathize with people. Who are really struggling? And the word that's used here, a servant of the Lord, is the word "doulos" in the language of the New Testament, and it's a word that actually means slave. And we talked about it last week. But a slave is someone who has no personal freedom, and somebody who was subordinate, subordinated to the master. Um, Such persons were forever on duty with no free time or personal life. And so that's the word that's being used here when the apostle speaks of our own relationship with God. He says, a servant of the Lord, a slave of the Lord, must not quarrel, but must be kind to everybody. So this is like a command. This is is exactly what God wants us to do. This is not like optional. This is like part of being a follower of Jesus. We're patient and we're kind with difficult people because we're a slave to Christ. And we're called to follow him. He's the master. Amen. We do what God has called us to do. And this is what God has commanded us to do. It's much harder for God to use me if I'm not patient and kind. If I'm full of pride, it's much more more difficult for God to be able to use me. When I'm gracious and kind, God can use me in different ways. He really can. And people can grow on us over time. I mean, I wonder today if we did a little survey. I found this to be true in my own life. Sometimes the people that I enjoy the most um, maybe didn't make the best first impression. Some of the people that I really enjoy being with, you know, today might have been people that I didn't really think that highly of when I first met them, but they grew on me. And maybe if you could be patient and kind with some folks, some people might grow on you. Maybe some team members at the office or some different people, you know, around you. You might be surprised who you might get along with. It might be surprising. <laughs> Look at these verses. Uh, I've got a couple here that I want to share with you. Ephesians four thirty-two, And be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ. I mean, the reason we forgive people is because God first forgave us. It's a good motivation. Romans twelve eighteen. If it's possible... As far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. You can't control what everybody else does, but you can control what you do. And Paul, writing there in Romans chapter 12, says, Now, as as far as it depends on you, you can't make decisions for everybody else, but as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everybody. That ought to be the goal of our life, is to be peacemakers. To be peace builders. Not people that are constantly contentious, stirring things up, always at odds. There's always drama and conflict. No, 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 no. As far as it depends on you, peace with everybody. I'm doing the best I can. Peace with everybody. And then Matthew five forty four, Jesus said this, I'm telling you to love your enemies. Let them bring out the best in you, not the worst. Isn't that beautiful? I love the way the message paraphrase says that. Let that bring out the best in you. You see, when people put you down, when people drive you crazy, when people push your buttons, it's actually an opportunity for you to shine. It's an opportunity for the power of Christ within you to take your faith and your life to a new level. And guess what? People begin to see that. People begin to observe that. And they think, well, my goodness, what is going on in her heart that she would be so patient and so kind to somebody who is so difficult and really is just the power of God within us? See, everything we're talking about today, we need God. We need the Lord in our life. We really do. If we're going to deal with difficult people, we need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need the power of God's Word. We need the power of His Spirit and, and, and God's... God's impetus and God's drive to be able to do that because in and of ourselves, when people push our buttons, we want to push them back. We want to to get rid of them, don't we? We want to say, man, I'm out of here. But man, with God's help, we can do great things. Well, how is this possible? When we avoid them, when we bless them, we can also teach them. Now this is what Paul says to Timothy. Look at verse 24. A servant of the Lord must not quarrel, but must be kind to everyone. And everyone means even the people that we don't care for. He says, but be able to teach and be patient with difficult people. Be able to teach. So here's what's awesome. When I'm patient and kind, and when I stay out of the drama then God gives me the opportunity to be able to teach and to influence other people. Now, let me ask you a question. If somebody's always in the middle of stuff and somebody's always chumming the waters, do you want to listen to that person? Probably not. No. But if people like in the community and people in your family and people in your office look at you and go, you know what? She's reasonable. She's fair-minded. She's even nice to the crazy people. Then what happens? You have an opportunity to teach others. Your influence begins to be elevated. Now, all of a sudden, you have an opportunity to speak into things that you didn't have before because of your character. So he says we ought to be able to teach. And when we're patient and kind, it creates environments for us to be able to influence people. Let me ask you a question. Those of you that are followers of Christ today, the person that led you to the Lord, was it somebody that you respected? How many of us would say, yeah, probably so, right? I mean, very few people would be like, you know, somebody led me to Christ and they were really a scoundrel, you know? I mean, like they were a terrible person, you know? That kind of thing. Probably not. They influenced you. It opened your heart to the gospel because of the way that they lived. I was led to the Lord as a boy by my parents. I respected my parents. I loved my parents. My parents were taking care of me. My parents led me to Christ. That's a natural thing. When we follow God and we do what his commandments are, then it creates opportunities for us to to influence people. And I love 1 Peter 3.15. It says, but in your hearts... "...regard Christ the Lord as holy, ready at any time to give a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that's in you. And yet do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience, so that when you're accused, those who disparage your good conduct in Christ will be put to shame." And, and I underlined on my outline with gentleness and respect. Gentleness and respect. But he's talking about giving an account... Speaking up for the gospel, speaking up for Christ, speaking up for the things of God. When we speak bold things for God, we have to do it in the right manner. You can have the right message and have the wrong delivery, and you'll offend people unnecessarily. If you get the right message and the right motivation, then you'll have powerful spiritual impact. He says you got to always be ready to, to, to speak up when necessary, when called upon, but you do so with gentleness and respect. And I love that from 1 Peter. In other words, we don't want to just intellectually win an argument and spike the football in the end zone. That's not the goal when we talk to people about the Lord. The goal is to persuade them to see how great Christ really is. A few years ago, I was at a uh, family gathering my great aunt and uncle had a party and there was all these family members that were there, many of whom I knew, some some I didn't know. There was like the, you know, second and third cousins twice removed, you know, all those kind of people were there. And so uh, word kind of got out at the party that I was a pastor. And uh, when you have a pastor, sometimes you kind of have a target on you, like when people want to ask questions and things like that. And, and so um, I just was kind of going to the family gathering. I didn't, necessarily expect to have a Bible study, you know, or to preach a sermon. But one of the guys that was there was a really proud atheist. And when he heard that there was a pastor that was there, he saw this as a great opportunity to kind of unload all of his questions and have a debate. And really, he didn't really so much, I think, want to seek understanding as much as he wanted to make a point. He had this smirk on his face when he was asking all these questions. And so, He's asking all these questions about the Bible and about Jesus and about evolution and creation. And I'm, I'm like, trying to answer the nicest that I can. And I'm, you know, kind of saying, well, you know, this and that kind of thing. I don't think this guy had ever met a Christian before, really, or, or ever talked to one. And... It's kind of an awkward thing the whole room is there like it's like game on you know you got the atheist and the pastor you know and it's like he's bringing all these big questions and I'm I'm responding to them and everybody's like just sitting there watching you know what, what are they gonna do but you know what think by the grace of God I was able to kind of keep my cool I was able to give a good response and by the end of the evening instead of this guy being so cocky and arrogant, he actually began to change his demeanor and began to listen to a few of the points that I was making. It was awesome. And I think this is exactly what 1 Peter's talking about. Whenever we have that opportunity to speak up for the Lord, if we do so with the right approach, if we handle difficult people the right way, instead of letting them push all of our buttons, we can point them to the greatness of the Savior Jesus Christ. He says, teach them, teach them. But he says a final thing. He says, we got to release them. So we avoid them. We avoid different arguments, silly arguments. We bless people by kindness and patience. We teach them. And then look at this. We release them to God. Some people we cannot fix. There are things that only God can do. And we have to release them to the Lord. Matthew five forty four says, pray for your enemies, not just your friends. Sometimes we have to say, you know, Lord, I've said everything. I've done everything. I can't do anymore. more. Lord, here you go. This belongs to you. I'm going to give that over to God. I wonder if you have some people in your life where you've said it all and done it all, and it's just now in the hands of God. we got to release that. There are certain things God has called us to do, patience and kindness and teaching. There are certain things only God can do. Amen? Do you believe that today, church, that that God is the only one that can open blind eyes and God is the only one that can change hearts and God is the only one that can can turn people's uh, life from from darkness to the light? Sometimes it's just up to God, and we have to be comfortable just releasing that to him instead of feeling the burden and constantly striving to try to fix everybody. God, this one belongs to you. How do we deal with difficult people? We release them to God. We release them to God. Look at uh, verse 25 and 26 again. He says, Gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change those people's hearts and they will learn the truth. Then they will come to their senses and escape from the devil's trap for they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. it, It helps me to be patient with people. Sometimes I'm not patient, but it helps me to be more patient when I think about this. Sometimes people are just simply confused. He says the the devil confuses people. The devil blinds people. Why do we have so many problems in our culture and our society? Well, the devil is a liar. The The devil is real. He's confusing people. And sometimes it's not that People are just bad people. They've just been confused by the devil. And we need to pray, God, open those eyes up. Lord, help people to see your goodness and your grace. And, 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 and Lord, do something spectacular and supernatural in an individual's life. That, that needs to be our prayer. We live in a fallen world. Now, one of the areas that the devil fights the hardest against is relationships. Why? Because we need relationships. Relationships matter. People matter. Your family matters. The devil doesn't want you to have unity in the home, the devil doesn't want you to get along with the people that you work with. We need people. And so he fights hard because he knows we need encouragement, and he knows we need love, and we need support, and we need counsel, and we need wisdom. And so he's constantly working against the thing that many times we need the most, people. That's why relationships are so hard. Have you ever wondered, why is it so hard to have friendships? Why is it so hard to have a healthy marriage? Why is it so hard to get along with people? Because the devil is always fighting against us. We have a nasty enemy, but you know what? We have some great news. We have a greater power that's within us. Greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. So instead of being afraid or discouraged, we just need to be reminded that the power of Christ is greater than any power of the devil. I mean, we have the real strength. We We have the real deal living within us. But we live in a broken world. Romans 12.10 says, or excuse me, Revelation 12.10 says, Satan is called the accuser of Christians. His number one job is to put us down. Ephesians 6.12 says we're fighting against human beings, not against human beings, but against wicked spiritual forces in heavenly places. And that's why we need to pray. That's why prayer is so important. Prayer releases the power of God. God. Now, a big part of our prayer to defeat the enemy is forgiveness. The book of Ephesians says when we have unforgiveness in our heart, that we actually allow the devil to have a foothold in our life. We allow him to have a little bit of control. We surrender a little ground to him. The way that we kick out the control of the enemy is by walking in forgiveness. So every day when we have crazy people that are driving us nuts, that are pushing all of our buttons, that are peeking in our windows, we need to say, Lord, help me to forgive that person. Because what happens day after day after day and year after year after if there's junk that builds up in our hearts, then it gives the devil control. And we don't want that. It's hard enough to have relationships without having the devil messing with everything. Amen? It's hard enough. So we got to kick him out. And we got to remember, man, some things are just in the hands, the hands of God. And prayer is a great thing. So, how do we do this? When we have a Bob, when we have a Patrick, avoid them, the try to stay out of the fray, bless them patience and kindness, teach them, instruct people in God's word, and release them to God, realizing there are certain things that we can and cannot do. Let's pray together.